Hello, my name is Julia Ferrioli. This is October 14th, 2021. Mm -hmm. Time has no meaning no. anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I am here with Amanda Caseri um, and Aaron Patterson. And Aaron is our storyteller for today. I'm recording this conversation for open source stories in um, my office in Seattle, Washington, which it's strangely sunny right now, which is really weird. Um, so I will pass it off to Amanda to introduce herself. Hi, my name is Amanda Caseri, uh, and I'm speaking with Julia Ferrioli and Aaron Patterson. Um, I'm recording this conversation for Open Source Stories. We do this script each time. Might be a little repetitive. We can edit it. That's fine. But uh, the environment I'm recording in right now is this really spooky time in New England where it's like right before Halloween, the leaves have already peaked and are starting to fall. It's getting dark early. Uh, and I discovered that I needed to set up lights. So it was a really spooky experience, but I'm pretty excited to talk with everyone, with both of you today. And Aaron, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, is it my turn? My yes. name is. This, <clears throat> sorry, I'll do this in my best, like Ira Glass. Ira Glass voice. Perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. I can't do. I can't do that. Uh, my name. So my name's Aaron Patterson, and I am speaking to you. Where am I speaking? What is it? I say my name, and then the date, and where I'm speaking from. Okay. You can just say where you're speaking from. It's okay. fine. <laughs> Uh, my name is Aaron Patterson. It's October the 14th, 2021. I'm speaking from my office in my house in Seattle, Washington. And yes, I can confirm it's a little bit sunny out right now. Yes. Very strange. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, now, Aaron, I think I first met you at a Ruby meetup here in Seattle. That was a while ago. Yes, yes, it was. I was trying to remember. Like, I was trying to remember where did we, where did we very first meet? And I, I'm like, I can't, I can't remember because we used to live. So we used to live in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So I would like see, I would just see you around all the time. So I was like, oh hey hey. So it's like, where did I first meet her? It must have been. It must have been the seattle ruby meetup where we first met it had to be yeah i was a, a total novice still am to be <laughs> honest so. um i was wondering if you could just give me a little bit of a, a little bit of a picture of your first experience with with tech with technology Oh boy. Um, so I've had like, I've had technology around me pretty much all of my life. Uh, my mom is an electrical engineer. So when I was like growing up, we just always had like, always had electronics all the time. Um, my dad, my dad's an engineer too. And like, I learned, I learned a lot of tech stuff, learned a lot of tech stuff from them. Actually, when I was, <laughs> When I was a kid, um, so like, I was really into secret codes. I was like, because I want to write code, like, I want to write secret messages to my friends, right? 
and uh my mom taught me binary <laughs> she's like oh you can like use this you can encode your message into ones and zeros and then give it to your, like give it to your friends i'm like this is amazing amazing so i like I thought it was incredible, but uh, trying to convince my friends to do it at school was not like that wasn't happening. <laughs> no, no, like, I don't know, third grader is going to write a bunch of one like encode stuff to ones and zeros so they can pass notes in class. <laughs> but yeah, I've had I've had tech around me pretty much pretty much all my life. I remember learning about different bases when I was a kid too. And I think I had an existential crisis at that point. So kudos <laughs> to you for not having an existential crisis. I don't like, I don't remember exactly, exactly how it came about. Like she just, she's just like, okay, you know, you can make these one, you can just do all this with ones and zeros. I, and I'm like, what? <laughs> this this absolutely gives me hope because I did not have that kind of exposure when I was a kid to tech, uh, even though my parents, uh, my mom was like, she did chemistry and my dad um, was a, a ship's engineer. Um, so, but didn't have any of that. But I do that kind of stuff with my kids. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're asking how this works. Let's sit down and talk about it. Enough where my oldest, who's 10 now, does say to me things like, yes, but no big explanation, mom. I, I don't have time for it right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. Nice to know. Good boundary setting. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to somehow, you got to spin it into a code somehow. Like, how can they, like, somehow appeal appeal to the kids like how can they how can they enjoy the technology or use it with their friends or something use it well, to subvert systems i do mm. think we had a nice grounding in harriet the spy where some of the thing even though the setting was longer ago but a lot of uh, the desire to be harriet the spy had some interesting interesting takeoffs into it let me yeah. teach you a trick right click view source <laughs> 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 okay, so um acutely aware of my time management skills here. Um now Aaron, you are fairly active in the open source community. What how what was your first encounter with it? What how did you get involved? <clears throat> well, I think so I guess probably my first my first encounter as a user would probably be when I was in high school. Like I installed Linux on my parents' computer and that, um, I don't know, you ever get that? I think, I think this is like the first time I remember really getting like cold sweats. Cause it's like, oh, <laughs> what if I can't get windows back on this thing? <laughs> Like what if I what if I've permanently messed this thing up? <laughs> and they had like they had it. So when I I was configuring configuring Linux, and there was this thing like back then you had to do this thing to configure um, X windows. You do X X 
XF86 config and I would read, I was reading all the documentation and there's this thing that's like, okay, you got to configure the um, frequency for the monitor or something. I can't remember, like some setting for the video card or monitor or something. And there's this like big old warning that's like, if you do this wrong, you can like literally fry the computer. Like it'll fry it. And I'm like, oh man, I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> I somehow like I somehow did it, but uh, I don't know. That was like I was taking programming classes in high school, so like we in class we used a Borland C compiler, and I did not want to pay for that. So, so I was I was installing Linux to to get a C compiler, um, but yeah, I was able to get the I was able to get Windows back on there, so it was okay. But boy, I was like really nervous. I mean. <laughs> Touch and go. Yes, yeah. yes, for sure. As a as a contributor, um, I think I made my I made my very first contribution, like my first open source contribution in I remember it in two thousand one. Um, and it was so at the time I was a Perl programmer at the time, and we had this we had this system. So I worked for a company called Classmates.com. Oh, which you may or okay. may some people, <laughs> older people may, <laughs> may hey, remember. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> um, they so like we had a we had a system where, and I'm gonna, I know I know this is bad, but just accept it for what it is. <laughs> so the system we would store everybody in the system. So what uh, for folks that don't know, this is this website was a website. It was basically like a school directory. So it'd be like you register and you could see all the people who graduated the same year as you and you could contact you could contact the people. So it was basically just like a school graduation registry. Um, <clears throat> and we stored everybody's name. Like you would register for the website and we would store everybody's name in uppercase. Like... So you'd enter your name. It didn't matter what you entered. We would just uppercase it and throw that in the database. And the I remember the reason at the time was because Oracle could do text search on uppercase. Like if it was all one case, it could do text search faster. So they, they did that. But of course, like nobody wants to, when you view the directory, nobody wants to see your name in uppercase, right? So of course, the best solution for this was we had a Perl library that would take the uppercase and try to like guess what case, like try to properly case it when it was when it was displayed to the user. Um, and the issue was like it worked pretty fine. It worked like okay with uh, most I don't know American names, but then we started getting a lot of. Um, I don't know, Latin American people registering and their names did not like it did not work for them at all. So my first like my first open source contribution was a patch to this library that like gave it a Spanish mode. So you could be like, okay, we want to now we want to adjust this for for Spanish mode. And that was like I think that was my very first open source contribution. <laughs> can can I ask, do you remember? how you got the Linux distribution that you first installed? Oh, yeah, yeah. CD in a book. At and 
Yeah. I think it was at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you contribute the first patch? Did you send uh, a CD and a book in? No, 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 no. Um, how did I do it? It was a mail. There was mailing lists. I had to like, I had to make a patch and then send it to a mailing list, but there was no like, I, there was no GitHub or anything. Yeah. So it was like, I couldn't find a repository. Like I couldn't find a repository for this thing at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I basically had to just like patch it and do a diff and then send the like email a diff to the author and be like, Hey, can you, can you add this? And then they did. Do you remember any of, um, the, the review comments that you got for that patch? Oh, not zero. It was like, basically the, the person was like, so I just emailed the author with a patch mm -hmm. and I'm like, Hey, we're using this at work. And like, we need a Spanish mode. It doesn't handle these. It doesn't handle these case. Like I gave them a list of names. I'm like, it doesn't handle these cases. This makes it handle these cases. And the author was basically like, Oh, all right. Done. <laughs> Very laid back. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It was like, I mean. I don't know, it was quite a fairly easy process, but I, I'd have to say like that was, so that was my first contribution, my first open source contribution. And it was like probably many years after that, before I did, I don't know, more like many open source contributions. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that kind of knit together the code that really made you? Your it... contribution to Pearl? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, that Not... was the worst pun ever. It was a good stretch. It was a very good stretch. I think you dropped something in there, though, maybe. I'm just trying to spin a, spin a yarn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I apologize. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, there's a lot of Kate, like, this happens in a lot of cases. <laughs> Just got to make the switch. Switch. <laughs> well, in in that vein, let's let's switch it up a little bit. Um, okay. So I know that we had sent you some some uh, prompts for today. Is there? What would you like to talk about? Oh man, that was like the one prompt. What do you want to talk? <laughs> what do you want to talk well, i'll talk about anything we can talk about cheese making <laughs> we can talk about cheese making but i know this is like oh, this is an open source this is an open source thing so we can talk about other things too um i don't know i don't know it's like that's such an open-ended question i have no idea <laughs> well let's let's narrow it down a little bit okay um, one of the things that we are exploring is is kind of pivotal moments in open source or open source contributors um, evolution. Is there a time that either you or the industry has experienced something like this that you'd like to share? Yes, this was I enjoy it. So I read this prompt and I actually I enjoyed it. And I there's to me, though, there's like I don't know. I guess I've been, I've been programming professionally since 1999. So I've been doing 
programming for a long time and and involved in the open source community for a long time as well. So I've seen several, like, there isn't just one pivot for me, right? Um, first off, like, I think if you ask any any open source developer this this question, of course they're going to say GPL. Like, they have to. That's like, mm-hmm. you have to say that one because it was a big it was a big deal because before that we didn't if we didn't do that we probably wouldn't have open source anymore or we wouldn't have open source in the first place so <clears throat> i think that that was a pivotal a pivotal moment though i think i'm too young to know like i i'm not old enough to have been around before and after the mm-hmm. gpl like i was around after the gpl but i think that that's what caused like really pushed pushed open source forward for me though um i think we're seeing well we've already seen it there's there's two other two other points i wanted to make after this like i think now we're seeing a move away from move like away from gpl so it's not really a pivotal thing it's more of like a background there's no like one moment thing i don't know how to describe this exactly there's like been a slow move in the industry to move away away from GPL, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of ties into probably the biggest pivotal point in my, for me in my programming generation, which would probably be GitHub. Uh, just because like contributing to projects was so hard before GitHub existed, like you you had to be you had to know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you had to know, you had to be able to figure out like, okay, who's the right person to email? How do I put together a diff for this thing? And then send off an email, you know, send off an email to that person. And like, it's just the barrier to entry was so high that um, for me, GitHub was a really pivotal, really pivotal moment uh, for open source. And I'm not sure how that relates relates to the license thing, but I know that there's like two two things going on there. Do you remember when the projects you were most interested in or you were contributing on moved to GitHub? Yeah. Um, I mean, Rails is probably the biggest. Rails is probably the biggest one. So like before we were using Subversion on our own. Where was it? Was it our own hosted thing? I think we had our own hosted server. Uh, and then we moved that to we moved that to GitHub. And it was it was a big deal. It was super nice. Like Moving away from your own hosted thing is like just just great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, on top of that, with the other things like pull requests, like that wasn't a thing. And I also I remember one thing uh, when GitHub when GitHub came around, they said like you fork a project, and like at the time I was like, whoa, you're gonna. Fork a project? You can't do that. <laughs> That's not legal. Because <laughs> uh, like before, before this, forking a project was like a big deal. If you forked yeah. somebody's project, that meant that you were like, "No, you guys are the worst. I'm not going to work with you ever again." <laughs> forking a project, and now GitHub comes along and like, "No, you just fork it. You do your changes, and then you just send it back." It's like. <laughs> I feel like there's still like the lowercase fork and the uppercase fork. I think, yeah, I think 
in my mind before github there was no lowercase fork it was only patches mm -hmm. just sent patches right yeah. there was no lowercase fork you just, just do your works in a patch somewhere and then github gave us the lowercase one now you can do it up now you can do a big fork it's <laughs> it's the dinner fork versus the salad fork <laughs> exactly yes it's how you know you're it's how you know you're in the good place or the bad place <laughs> the problem though is i never know which fork to use so like what what if i accidentally use the big fork <laughs> I'm sure the community will tell you. Did it, did it feel a little rude the first time that you did the fork? Oh, no. I mean, no, no, it didn't. Like once, once okay. somebody explained to me like the workflow of it, I was like, oh, okay. Just All sending in. a patch. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. This is just a word. It's okay. But I do remember thinking that like, oh, man okay to do this <laughs> so when, when github first launched they actually weren't focused on open source right they were a social coding platform yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't think they're really focused i think that's true yeah it was just a social coding platform but i mean i don't know what else you would be like if it's going to be social, it's got to be open source, basically, right? Especially if you're just launching a website, like who else is going to use it? You can't, you can't socially code your closed source project. <laughs> like, how is that social, <laughs> right? Your your anti-social coding platform? Yes. <laughs> it's true, but the 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 advent of this user friendly um platform that made it so that you don't have to email the library author a patch because you don't know where the repository is that was a huge shift for for open source in the open source industry yeah i mean before that we had like we had sourceforge which was kind of like kind of like this but they didn't offer <clears throat> like the I think GitHub's main mm, offering was like a pull request. Like that was the thing. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that on SourceForge. They had hosting, but you'd still have to like email a patch somewhere. And also at the time, like SourceForge was trying to monetize. So like they just became covered in ads. Like, I don't know if this is a appropriate for this. <laughs> My my first experience with open source was on SourceForge. So yeah, and you had to be very careful where you clicked. Yeah, yeah. You remember the you remember like the download they would have like download buttons which were like totally fake download. Yeah. They were like basically ads or something. Like how is yeah. this how is this how is this legal? Like this really feels like a bait and switch thing. Like you shouldn't do this. Yeah. So I think that gave I think that gave GitHub a huge leg up because it's like oh hey this website doesn't have ads everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm curious then Aaron. So when the project started moving to GitHub, if you weren't emailing people patches anymore, were the mailing lists still as active or as rich for conversation as they were before, or had they changed? Uh, I think that's 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 a really good question. I think they've basically decreased over time 
I mean, at like when GitHub first launched, yeah, of course the mailing lists were still going and stuff. Like you'd you'd email a lot of people and it's fun. Actually, that's I mean, mailing lists and IRC. That's that's something I look fondly like look back fondly on. That was a lot of that was a lot of fun. Um, but those things are so hard to use that I feel like they're less inclusive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think like mailing list mailing list activity is definitely tapered off tapered off over time. I mean, I don't like. I used to be on the Ruby mailing list. I am not. On, I haven't read the mailing list in a long time. <laughs> Hate to admit that, but yeah. <laughs> You hear it, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> yes, I read. So I read the Ruby Core mailing list, but that's not really though. I just read the so so the Ruby Core mailing list is basically just a mirror of our website, like the issue tracking website. I just read the issue tracking website. I don't like I don't like email. <laughs> I get I get too much email. Like I have. If you look at my phone, it says I have like ten over ten thousand unread emails, and I look at that, and I'm like, let's see if we can hit eleven thousand. <laughs> that sounds like my GitHub notifications. I oh yeah, clear those. I gave up on that a long time ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the next the next GitHub will be GitHub, but without notifications. <laughs> So what other kind of changes did you see with the the advent and the adoption of of GitHub? I don't know. I mean more C, like CI, CI wasn't a thing. Though like lots of people tried to do lots of people tried to do CI but nobody could make it nobody could make it profitable. I mean I guess until Travis came around, I think they were like the very first successful company to do CI and, and actually like survive. There'd been a bunch of other companies before that. I remember that did had a continuous integration offerings, but they all, all went broke. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's that. What else? I'm trying to think of other stuff that changed. Um, I don't know. IRC dying off. Just lots of, lots of stuff changed. Now, instead of using IRC, we got to use Slack, and it's basically like IRC, except that it's slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's slow and uses all your memory. <laughs> I guess, you know what we should talk about? We should talk about editors. like Because that's, that's something that's changed big, to, like, hugely changed over time, I think. Uh, though I'm a sad person, I've been using Vim for, like, 20 years <laughs> i think that's how long julia's been trapped in it so she'd really appreciate an exit yeah. I, vim i can't quit you <laughs> <laughs> well actually so i i am in vim but it's vim inside of emacs <laughs> so Nice. I, I actually don't know where I am anymore. Uh, Eliza's <laughs> helping me get out. 
this is what is what is what is that movie where inception. they keep going deeper yes this is inception yeah. vim emacs inception yes yes editor inception <laughs> but the the kind of the more user friendly editors especially with various integrations yeah it's huge also a game changer yeah for sure like uh, i think um one of the like one of the best things to come out recently in my opinion is vs code like i think it's awesome uh i don't use like i don't use it but i think it's really amazing for the development community and open source community just in general right mm -hmm. um i i will admit vim is not easy to use <laughs> it's, true. it's not e it's not easy to use but it is like that's the one that that's the one that i use and that's the one that i want to stick with um <clears throat> but that somebody came out or we've developed an editor that new folks can use and get used to and get involved in programming it's a big deal to me i think it's really really awesome it's i think it's interesting too especially hearing about your experience with your first open source installation and how scary it was thinking what if i destroy the technology I'm actually trying to change or work yes. with. But so many of the tools, especially in the last few years now, that that ability to have interoperability and integration and being able to build these chains and workflows with good documentation. So it's not this like mystical process feels really revolutionary. Like it yeah. really changes a lot of being able to do things without having to um, Ha without having to uh, like necessarily, you know, have somebody um, that can't approach it from the beginning or be new to the community or come in and ask good educated questions from like looking things up on how to contribute, but doesn't have to like learn a secret knock. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. It's so good. Like having, having these tools that are easy to use and like, I don't know. I guess I'm a huge fan of things lowering the bar to lowering the barrier to entry. So GitHub is one of those things and these new like new editors. That's another that's another thing. And I think it's I don't know. I think it's just gonna get better. I have no idea how. Like I can't imagine. I don't know how we'll get the barrier lower, but I think that we'll keep lowering it and I think that's a good thing. Awesome. Thank thank you, Aaron. Um we have just um 10 minutes left. Uh, okay. I, I know you were worried about the whole <laughs> duration thing. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of covered um, predictions or lack thereof, maybe. Um, I am wondering where, where do you see some like the, of the unsolved problems in open source, the challenges. Yeah, I, I saw this. I read this. I read this prompt. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's hard. So it's hard to say, like the thing. One of the things I wrote down is, um, well, the thing I wrote down is sustainability of open source, because like Many people do open source in their spare time. Uh, and that's not, I don't think that that's really sustainable. Like when I first started, when I first started doing open source, so 
in 2001. I was 21. I like, I guess I was 20. I didn't, I wasn't married. Like I could just do, you know, I had lots of free time. Right. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. So I think that that's like a, that's one really big challenge of, of open source is how can we like, how can we get people that, that time in order to put in, put into it? Um, I don't really have any good, like good solutions for that. Every, every avenue that I've researched for this has some sort of problems. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I think that that's, that's a challenge. And if we can crack that nut, I think it will be, I don't know, it'll help a lot. It's definitely an unsolved problem. Yes. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people have various, various thoughts. Um, and yeah, I don't think we have, we have one solution that, that addresses all of the concerns. No, I mean, there's various, no. like I, my right now, my day job is I do open source. So I found a, it took me many, many years, mm -hmm. but I finally found a cut. Like I finally found a company that's like, yes, I, we will pay you to do open source programming. Mm -hmm. But not everybody can do that, right? Mm -hmm. So what else, like, how else can we get people paid? Uh, or how do we get people the free time? Like, you know, yeah. there, it's just, it's not, yeah, I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer. It's a tough subject. We're, we're all pretty um, privileged on this, this conversation to have open source be part of our job. Yep. So, um, but it's definitely not that way for everyone. Yep. Uh, and I know that one of the problems that that we see is the is is that more and more your open source resume is is being considered as a uh, that kills as a component me. Uh, of hiring. Yeah. Yeah, that kills me. It's the perfect month to talk about that as well. I really don't I really don't like I really don't like when people use open source as a resume. I mean some of the best programmers I know they don't do like they don't do open source, but they're really great. They're really great mm -hmm. folks. They're good engineers. So, you know, why why do we need this? Yeah. So so I have a question for both of you then. Um I've seen for uh, open source as a great way to have a public resume is kind of one of the incentives I've seen for folks who are looking to break into tech or are looking to get hired, you know, by certain companies or positions. So I feel like it does get sold sometimes that way for people because there is an idea that it has an advantage and maybe it does. Um, even for making like a first contribution, like it's like, oh, make a first contribution. Now you have a public resume. People understand you understand the tools. Um, do you feel like like did that come about because it solved a problem earlier or before? Was it at some point something that actually solved a problem that previously exists that just doesn't exist right now? Or did we find that that was a bad practice because it was so exclusionary? That's a that's a really good question. I mean, I can tell you. So, um, 
and give you a little background like i on on me from my experience um so uh one of your one of your prompts was what do you regret <laughs> nice and lightweight yes very yes very lightweight um one of the things like so one of my one reason that i started contributing to open source is that one of my one of my regrets is that i did not finish college <laughs> so like when people are trying to or when you're looking for a job i mean i want to be a programmer but how can you prove like how can you prove to potential employers that that's something that you can actually do and open source is a way like is a way to prove that it's like well i don't have job experience but you can see like i did xyz um and i mean i don't know like i think it's a good that's a good way to demonstrate demonstrate that you have the skills even if you don't have the job like job history but i do admit like like i said at that time i had a lot of free time so yeah i mm -hmm. i was able to do that mm -hmm. so i'm going to take the easy way out and blame uh, the fact that we only have a few minutes left um, to <laughs> pass on the question um, and and ask you, Aaron, do you have any parting thoughts for for the folks listening or reading? <sighs> parting thoughts. Um, boy, I can just go down through all the lists of stuff. Like I read, I read all the prompts and I answered all the prompts. So I can. <laughs> Should I just go? I'll go through all of the each of them. Um, parting thoughts. I didn't do parting thoughts though, because I don't know. <laughs> okay. What? Uh, I have a good parting thought for you. Okay. Uh, the ocean. <laughs> Thank you. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I, th this is just a joke. Uh, I think, I guess, I have a lot of I have a lot of parting thoughts. One thing, geez, I can't pick. It's so hard for me to pick just one. So maybe I'll rattle off a few. One, going back to the editor thing, um, advice I would like to give to people who are to programmers, people who want to be a programmer or are programmers, is it doesn't matter what editor you use, but learn it well, like learn how to use the editor well. And the reason I say that is because from my experience, I've used, I've used Vim longer than I've used any programming language. Mm -hmm. And I can do any programming language in that, in that editor. So to me, that thing is more important than any particular technology that I'm like, that's, to me, that's probably the most important piece of technology on my computer is that is that editor. So whatever you use, like learn it. Um, I think I'm we're getting time timed out here. Uh, uh, parting thoughts, like something deep. Um, well, I, I think <laughs> I think a, a a good parting thought is to thank you for yeah. for joining us today, Aaron. Yes, my other parting thought is my hair. I like to... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this has been an absolute delight. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I had a good time. Thank yeah. you. And um, I hope that we can can have you back at some point soon. Me too. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you. And scene.